It should be a tertiary education system with a range of institutions mm. performing different missions and being recognised for the excellence that they can deliver. Hello, welcome to KPMG's Talking Tertiary podcast, where we reimagine tertiary education for a changing world. I'm Stephen Parker, KPMG's education sector leader in Australia. During this podcast series, we'll be talking about the key issues facing tertiary education with some of the leading experts in the sector. The voice you heard at the start was that of Professor Martin Dole, CBE, who is Professor of Leadership in Further Education and Skills at University College London. Martin is a regular visitor to Australia and is well positioned to contrast the Australian and English experience of vocational education, but also to bring a broad international perspective to the field. In this episode, I spoke with Martin on the 29th of April in Canberra about the somewhat turbulent world of technical vocational education and training. Here's the interview. Thank you, Martin, for your time today and welcome back to Australia. Nice to be back again. Now, you've had a long career in training as a long-time member of the British Defence Forces, then as Chief Executive of the Association of Colleges in England, and now as a scholar reflecting on training systems and training markets. Can I ask you to reflect on how skills training and technical education have changed over the decades that you've been observing it? Well, I think in your introduction, Stephen, you've referred to turbulent history, and it has been a turbulent history. One of the first things to reflect on is that in this form of education, there's a greater tendency to make minor changes in policy than I think in almost any other form of education. So you could recount, and we did, I did in one of my previous lectures in the UK, the large number, over 70 major policy changes in the last 30 years in further education and skills. Ministers in this area feel they can come into the, into the business, make a change where no one's looking, try and get attention, <laughs> and then move on, fiddle with it and move on. So turbulence, yes. Um, if, if you're trying from that to, to work out the pattern mm-hmm. in this, I, you can come at it a number of areas. I could come, a look at, come at it from the point of use of technology to assist and underwrite education and training. I could come from a curriculum point of view. The one I think that particularly interests me is one around the degree of autonomy afforded to providers in the UK and actually also in Australia. Um, We seem to go through waves of greater autonomy and less. Mm -hmm. So in the UK, uh, in the 70s and early 80s, there was a good measure of local authority control and direction of the, the, the institutions. So quite local and detailed control and variable provision made throughout the UK. Then we went through a period of colleges being set free, um, some would say, in terms of the Education Act, which gave them autonomy to decide what was needed in the local area, and control was through funding mechanisms Mm -hmm. at the national level, um, much more a free market approach. And latterly, there's been some rowing back uh, with devolution in the UK, some measure of greater local control. So... So almost we, we either see it going around a circle or 
or progressing, reinventing the future again. Mm-hmm. Um, but that move, which I think is, is is coming now more to a kind of, without being overly pretentious, so dialectic. So there was a thesis, local control, detail, an antithesis, which was uh, less control and let the market decide. Mm-hmm. Now coming to how do we construct a market framework for action, so have some direction, but allow for some freedom also. Okay. So if you take it as um, having two pure <coughs> alternatives, a completely planned system or a completely free market in training, presumably neither um, is going to work satisfactorily. And in theory, there's a happy medium, but do you know where that happy medium is? Uh, I don't know where the happy medium is, but I do know there are a couple of indicators, I think, to find your way through this. And one of the indicators is actually the type of economy that a skills and education system responds to. Uh, If you're in a continental system um, with a greater degree of corporatism, a longer view on return on capital, Mm. and a greater acceptance of more authoritarian, if you'd like to put it that way, direction for young people and the courses they might follow through the rest of their life, then there's more room to have a planned, Mm. organised system. Mm. If you have a free market or Atlanticist type economy, which is free-flowing, with a shorter review kind of uh, reflection on the the value of capital and the investment in capital and return on investment, much shorter timescales, and a much greater degree of labour market flexibility, the skill system needs to reflect that. So I find it very hard to see in a an economy like the UK's or or Australia's in a modern context how you can have a planned system mm-hmm. which plans in detail mm-hmm. and affords the institutions no autonomy, whatever. That said, though, if you want to promote greater social equity, greater evenness between places in those economies, which is one of the great themes being considered, I think, not just in... in uh, academia but also in policy makers in the UK save all the attentions going on Brexit then that's how you combine social equity evenness more even place based prosperity and a free market approach with autonomous institutions so it's how you construct that framework for action okay so I understand that tension between equity and a free market system then maybe there's another tension between social equity and cutting edge technical <coughs> um, education um, can is it realistic to expect public providers of vocational education and training to be able to do both to to promote equity and be at the cutting edge of technological development i think it's very difficult mm. to see how that's likely to be achieved and if I've taken this example, which demonstrates how difficult it is to achieve, it's in terms of apprenticeships. Um, I'm a great believer in apprenticeships, um, supported them when I was in the armed forces, supported them when I was the leader of the Association of Colleges, and believed them to be a very effective form of education and, and development for both the apprentice and for the employer. But fundamentally, to be an apprentice, you need to be apl- employed, and the employer selects the apprentices Mm. and employers particularly are acting in a market system will select the apprentices where they have the greatest degree of prospect of success and that will most most often be on prior attainment 
uh, you'd hope the employers might have a benev- benevolent point of view and take on people on the basis of potential attitude. But actually, if they're driven by a profit requirement or in the public sector by efficiency, then they're going to actually take the least risk possible on the people that they recruit. Yeah. Therefore, it's very hard to see how you can balance social equity in an apprenticeship scheme with the requirement the, appre- the apprentice needs to be selected by the employer. Mm. Government well, direction can't make it happen if employers own the programme. Okay. Well, um, let's step back a bit from this. You've been an observer of vocational education systems around the world, and I, I take your earlier point that certain arrangements work in certain national contexts and not in others. But can I ask you, which country do you think is doing it well, and what are they doing uh, that makes you think that? I struggle to think of anywhere that's doing it perfectly well mm-hmm. in all regards. Um, and if I do believe they're doing well in their own context, I see difficulties in transferring those yeah. lessons yeah, yeah. to another context. So people will speak very well of the dual system in the on the continent with Germany, Austria... And they are strong, stable systems, but they're having difficulty dealing with new and emerging industries yeah. that are more service-based yeah. than manufacturing, where the rate of change is much quicker and there needs a greater degree of labour market flexibility. Um, a country working on a similar model that seems to be very strong to me is Switzerland. And also I'd look at the, the, the Netherlands from and Hale. Mm. Uh, and to run a country Canada level um, in the UK ourselves up any change um, see who so, and go with the system most rather than uh, can afford their higher education we're all with other point actually to see yeah, as I had yeah. A, in the UK if we can't do a chance first choice I mean we need to do not my sitting positions recognize here the rematch right shift looks similar pick ways you can uh, being here uh, talks as Bichens Bichanos for me. Thank you all for your feedback so far. Do keep it coming. You can get in touch on email, talkingtertiary at kpmg.com.au. On Twitter, I'm at Stephen Parker ED. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can also find out more about our thinking on the education sector at kpmg.com slash au slash education future. Thank you for listening and speak with you next time on Talking Tertiary.